Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Are you ready to help me preach? Are you ready to have a move of the Holy Ghost? Even on a midweek service. God still moves on the midweek. Or at least he wants to. Amen. You may be seated for a minute. Let me just uh, just tell you how uh, excited uh, Crystal and I are to be with you. We are, um, we actually just flew back um, from Florida. We, we had a revival in, um, boy, oh boy, my blame, just uh, St. Augustine. And so when y'all had the cold weather that moved in, uh, I think my friend Chris Jansen texted me, said, hey, bro, you just missed it. And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> and so we just came in the other day, and it was beautiful in 65. So, hey, thank God for that. Amen. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a long week, um, but we've had some incredible, God is just doing some incredible things all over the face of this planet. And I want to be right smack dab in the middle of it. Don't you? So with that in mind, I did come with a word for you tonight, and um, this was something just to kind of uh, set the tone. This is something that was birthed out of, a, out of God speaking to me and to my life, and it might seem a little bit heavy tonight, but I, I just want to challenge you to let the word speak to you, okay, and open our hearts and minds, and let's just see what God would do tonight, all right? So would you stand with me with that in mind? I want to turn your attention um, to the book of Psalm <clears throat> And I'll read from the scripture also on Sunday, um, but I want to take my text from Psalm chapter 139 and verses 23 and 24. And this is uh, a psalm, but it's also a prayer of David. And he wraps up this prayer. I think it's very important. In 23 and 24, he, he wraps up, he ends his prayer by saying, search me, O God, and know my heart. Would you say heart? Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to go back to 23 and I want us to read it together out loud. Is that okay? So let's do that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I've heard countless messages on the Holy Ghost, on the power of the Holy Ghost, on power, on all different kinds of things, miracles, signs, wonders, you name it, in the apostolic church. I've heard it. I've heard very few messages, though, on the heart. And yet the heart is the very center of who we are, not just physically, but spiritually. And God wants to deal from time to time with the heart, doesn't he? Amen. Let's turn to the Old Testament. Again, I want to take your attention to Deuteronomy. And I will not only take a text from uh, Deuteronomy chapter number one, but I will follow along um, in an expository fashion from chapter one. I'll preach my message. But let's go to verse number 19. Deuteronomy chapter one and verse number 19. The Bible says, and we'll just read down to 21. The Bible says, and... 
when we departed from Horeb, we went through all the great and terrible wilderness, which he saw by the way of the mountain of the Amorites, as the Lord our God commanded us. And we came to Kadesh Barnea, and I said unto you, you are come unto the mountain of the Amorites. Now, let me just stop right there and, and think about what the man of God is telling the people of God. He said, uh, you are upon, you have come to the mountain of the Amorites, the highest territory of the enemy. And he concludes the verse by saying, which the Lord does give unto us. The highest territory of the enemy God has already given into our hands. What the enemy considers to be their strongest and best advantage, God has already given it into our hands. And then in verse 21, the Bible says, Behold, um, the Lord thy God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it. Would you say it's mine? As the Lord God of thy fathers has said unto thee, now look at the instruction that God gives. Very simple. I've already done it for you. I've already given you the land. I set it before you. It's yours to possess. I've already done the work. But before you go, Israel, fear not, neither be discouraged. Fear not, neither be discouraged. Even though God had already told them that he had already done the work, he still had to tell them, don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. I want to address fear tonight. Specifically, I want to talk about a fearful heart. A fearful heart. Would you help me preach tonight? Amen. Now, it's going to get a little heavy, but we're going to end on a positive note, and the Holy Ghost is going to move. Do you believe it? Oh, we're going to have a hard time. The Holy Ghost is going to move, folks. Help me pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence and your glory. God, I thank you for your anointed musicians and singers that have led us into your presence with praise and worship. And God, I thank you that you are here today. But Father, let this not just be any other day. God, we need you to change our lives. I pray that your presence would intersect the direction of our life today. Don't let us leave here the same way we came. But Lord, I pray, let us not just be hearers of your word, but God, let us be doers of your word. Let us be responders to your word. We pray it in your wonderful name. Somebody shout Jesus. Come on one more time. Jesus. In Jesus' name, clap your hands unto the Lord. <clears throat> Turn to somebody, tell them how good they look tonight. Go ahead. Y'all look good. Turn back and say, you smell good. Y'all smell good. I can smell you from here. You can sit down. Express cologne. All right. I don't know what that is, but... <clears throat> my wife, my wife uh, hates this. Where'd she go? She left. Okay, good. My wife hates this time of year because even though I might not look like it, I am an 
avid bow hunter. And if you are an avid bow hunter, let me see your hands if you're an avid bow hunter. Just the, okay, men and women alike. It is common for you to have a uh, peculiar aroma. You're going to start. Oh my goodness. Okay, uh, I don't know how I'm going to get it back on track. But here, you know, you start using the uh, scents, if you will. Doe liquid, buck liquid. My wife says, you stink, get away from me. I'm like, baby, that's what the deer like. They like to smell that, you know. Love is in the air in the animal kingdom. I got half of you and I lo- I'm losing other half of you. So let, let's, 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 try to, let's try to accomplish something together in the Bible. Um, Everything I'm going to say tonight, again, it was birthed out of God speaking to me. Let me just give you uh, a, some, some scope tonight for this message. You know, I was doing some research and looking at heart surgery. And if you've ever had a heart surgery or uh, a heart condition or whatever, I was doing some reading. And they say now that most, most procedures can be done on the heart can be done from outside of the body. They can go in through your arm, your leg, and they can fix, they can repair, they can put back together uh, to the best of their ability working from outside of the body. But occasionally, it is um, absolutely essential for physicians to perform what's called an open heart surgery. An open heart surgery is probably the most, according to my research, probably the most invasive, most painful, most hard to recover from surgery that there is. But an open heart surgery uh, is most of the time essential in order to save a person's life. I got to thinking about that because for every physical example, typically there is a spiritual parallel. And I thought so much about, okay, that's the physical heart, but what about the spiritual heart? What about the spiritual heart conditions that can develop over the course of our Christian walk? You, you, you think about physical heart conditions, many times they develop over the course of years, but it takes years and years and years for them to manifest symptoms. A lot of times there can be a heart condition and you don't even know it. Do you think it could be any different than spiritually that with your spiritual heart that we can, as we're living for God and going through life, we can develop little spiritual heart conditions that we many times don't even know are there? And sometimes they can be fixed really easy, but other times I think it is absolutely essential and God is wanting to say, let me perform some open heart surgery. Yes, it'll be painful. Yes, the recovery process hurts and it's hard, but in order to save not your physical but your spiritual life, it is necessary to give God access to the very center of who you are. In Deuteronomy, I'm going to draw four points from chapters one through four, and I'm going to follow the story a little bit of the children of Israel, but I want to deal with um, one of the spiritual heart conditions, and that is a fearful heart. 
a fearful heart, and what it is that a fearful heart or fear will do to your spiritual life. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. Um, uh, yet you are. Everybody deals with fear at one point or another in their life. But how you deal with it will determine the outcome, obviously. So let's look at four things that fear does. If you're following along, follow along. You want to write, you want to write. Um, but I, I want to talk about four things that fear does to your heart. Number one, first and foremost, fear, a fearful heart, aggravates God. It's going to get heavy now. Just A fearful heart aggravates God. Now let's look at the scripture. Deuteronomy chapter number one. Now, um, quickly, before I read this text, let's just set the tone quick. Israel, um, they're on the brink of crossing the Jordan River to enter into the promised land. They've came from slavery. They've came from wandering in the wilderness. Well, now it's finally time for them to get their promise from God. And God tells them, you ain't got anything to worry about, man. I've already gone before you. The, the, the mountains of the Amorites, the highest territory of the enemy, I've already given it into your hands. All you got to do is walk in and possess it. Don't fear, neither be discouraged. Let, let, but, but, but before we read any further here in Deuteronomy 1, uh, what Israel does next is they send spies into the land. The spies go into the land just to kind of do a little reconnaissance, check it out. They come back and they start reporting about giants and enemies and walls and all different kinds of bad things. And they don't tell about those things and then follow it up with, but God is able to give it into our hands. Instead, they go from tent to tent and begin to spread fear. They go throughout the camp and begin to spread fear. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy 1, verses 27 and 28. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us. How did we get there all of a sudden? He had brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Verse 28. Whither, how shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Let me stop right there and say, it, is, it, it, it boggles me that they didn't say the enemy had discouraged our hearts. Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying the people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven, and moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. The spies come back and they go from tent to tent and they start talking about it. Hey, Bob, do you know there's giants up in, that, in, the, in the promised land? Giants. Giants. They go to the next tent. Hey, Sally, do you know there's enemy forces, there's walls, there's some bad things up there? And they start spreading fear and fear begins to spread. They murmured in their tents, and the brethren begin to sow discord and fear amongst the camp, begin to spread like wildfire. Let me tell you just quickly three things that God hates. God hates gossip. Amen. Uh, God hates it when we discourage our fellow brothers and sisters. And God, lastly, hates our fear. 
Look at Deuteronomy chapter number one and verses 34 and 35. The Bible says, And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swore, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see the good land which I swore to give your fathers. God had had it. All because of fear. How, how did fear, how did it, how did it, spread so fast? How did it grab a hold of the people so fast? I, I, I want to take you quickly on a little journey in the Hebrew language because there's two main words for fear in the Old Testament. One is pronounced leb, L-E-B or L-A-B or V. It speaks of the heart, but it's the outer heart. The emotion, the feeling, and the intellect of an individual. Outer heart. And then... The less used is lavav. And that speaks, the Hebrew says, to the very most central, tucked away, hidden, protected place. The Hebrew even says, it goes as far to say, enclosed with by fat. This is not literal, it's figurative. It's that place inside of you that you don't even want to tell anybody else about. That the, the, the place that holds some of the deepest, darkest things that only you know about. And you don't want to share that with anybody, let alone God. There's the outer heart and the inner heart. But let me tell you what fear does. Fear starts in the outer heart. It starts in that outer realm of the emotion, the feeling, and the intellect. But fear will never be satisfied living there. Because its end result is always to destroy and when fear can get into your emotion and your feeling and your intellect, eventually it'll work its way deeper and dig its way deeper until it can get into the lavav, that very tucked away, secret, hidden place. That's exactly what happened to Israel. It started with the spreading of gossip and having no faith until it finally seeded itself into the hearts, deep in the hearts of the people. <laughs> I, I, I um, um, recently um, having to deal with the situation because I found the, the, the way this message was kind of birthed out of me is I found out that my, um, my father has been uh, diagnosed with what they call a um, brain atrophy. His brain is literally shrinking. And we, we found out a couple of years ago, you know, we would be talking and then every once in a while he'd repeat the same story that he told 20 minutes ago. I thought he was just getting old and getting forgetful. But that sense has accelerated to now, it's just horrible. He, he'll repeat himself something that he just said five seconds ago, 10 seconds ago. And, 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 fear began to grip my heart as I've never been through anything like that before. I don't know how to deal with that. And, and most of the spiritual responsibility is going to fall on my shoulders from the family. I don't know how to deal with that. And I realized that I was growing fearful of the whole situation and God began to speak into my life through this situation. And I realized something. The reason God hates fear so much is because fear really is having faith 
in the enemy rather than having faith in God. I'm convinced of it. That's why he hates it so much. Because no matter what our situation looks like, now he might not heal my father. He might not do a miracle in your life. God chooses to do what he will. He's sovereign, right? He knows best. But that's not necessarily the point. The point is, what will we choose to have faith in? Because no matter how bad our situation is, God is still able to heal, still able to set free, still able to deliver, still able to perform miracles. That's the God that we serve. And I would rather have faith in that than to give my faith to the enemy. But this is exactly the pit that Israel falls in in Deuteronomy chapter one before going into the promised land. And it was all after God told them, I've already done the work for you. All you gotta do is possess the promise. Just don't be afraid and don't get discouraged. And what do you know? Three verses later, they get afraid and they get discouraged. So fear, number one, it aggravates God. But let me tell you, number two, fear not only aggravates God, but fear, a fearful heart, will numb you of past victories. I, I'm going to say it one more time because preachers just like to repeat themselves for sake of repeating themselves. Fear, a fearful heart, will numb you of past victories and keep you from future miracles. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 29. I'm going to show it to you in the word. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 29 says, Then I said unto you, dread not. Now, okay. Put the brakes on. Just got to give my little commentary right here. Um, So the people are afraid. They're not wanting to go into the land. And so the preacher shows up. Thank God for a good preacher, right? Preacher shows up and he says, okay, I got to bust them right in the chops here. So everybody's afraid, nobody's ready to possess God's promises. So the preacher shows up and he says this. Hold on, everybody. Tread not, neither be afraid of them. Keep reading, verse number 30. The Lord your God, which doth go before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Now look at the, the, look at the man of God. He's preaching fire now. He's preaching faith. And in the wilderness, where thou hast seen how the Lord your God carried thee, as a man doth carry his son, in all the way that you went until you came into this place. Verse 32. Yet in this thing, you did not believe the Lord your God. You you see, because a fearful heart will numb you. A past miracles that God has done in your life. See, the fear had went past the outer heart. We're, we're past that, past emotion, past feeling, past intellect. It had seated itself into the very center of who they were. And the man of God steps in and he says, hold on, you're about to miss out on your blessing. Don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be scared. Because do you remember? He, he's preaching, like he's preaching a general conference. Do you remember when you were in slavery in Egypt? Think back. Do you remember how God brought all the miracles? He did all the plagues and all the the supernatural things that he did to get you out of slavery. 
And do you remember when you entered in the wilderness and you didn't have food or you didn't have anything to drink and God provided for your needs there and he carried you all the way through the wilderness. It was a miracle of God. And the preacher's getting all excited about it. And the Bible says, yet in all of this, they still didn't believe. How is that possible? Because once you've given way to fear, so much so that it seeds itself in the very central part, center part of who you are. It becomes engrafted in your makeup, in your Christian identity. Becomes part of who you are. And the great power and the miracles that God has done seem to fade away a little bit. Fearful heart will not only numb you of past victories, it'll keep you from future miracles. Can, can, I just, I'm going to take a, take a break here. This is why I believe. This is why I believe that people can come to church and we can dance and we can shout and we can get so excited. But we leave the same way we came a lot of times because we've never truly had a change of heart. There's the outer heart, the emotion, the feeling, the intellect. And then there's that inner heart. Now we love the emotional part. And we should. And we should get involved. We should dance and jump and shout. And the Bible tells us to. We should praise God. We should have great experiences in the presence of God. But we do ourselves disfavor by not allowing him to the inner center part of who we are. A lot of people come to church and they, they get involved and they have an emotional encounter with the Holy Ghost. We all do it. But how many truly allow God past the outer heart into the inner heart? See, that's a place that we, we, don't, we don't like to reveal. We don't like to talk about it. We don't even like to think about it. And we don't even like to talk to God about it because we know what's in there. Come on now. You know what's in there. I know what's in me. And so we allow God, we're comfortable allowing him to move in that outer space. But just don't come past a certain point. It'll keep you from future miracles. Number three, a fearful heart will not only aggravate God, it won't only numb you of past miracles that God has done in your life, but a fearful heart eventually leads to rebellion. Are we okay? Turn to somebody, tell him he's preaching to you. Go ahead. You see, I do, I do that all the time because then we, we're all involved. We're all in this together. <laughs> and nobody thinking like, hey, yeah, so, so-and-so needs to hear that across there. He needs to preach to her. No, we all need to hear this. Fearful heart will eventually lead to rebellion. Now, this is the Bible. Let's just look on our journey with Israel because we're going to learn from them so we don't make them mistakes. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse number 40. And we'll read down to verse number 45. Deuteronomy chapter number 1 and verse number 40. 
Now, this is God speaking. He says, but as for you, turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. God says, I'm done with it. You need to go back to where you came from. I was going to let you in the promised land, but now you're going back to the wilderness. Now, you got to love and appreciate people because watch what people do right here. Then you answered and said, oh, we have sinned against the Lord. We'll go up and fight. Hold on a second, God. I, I, we see now you ain't playing. Hold on. Don't. We'll go up and fight according to all that the Lord has commanded us. And the Bible says, and when he had girded on every man his weapons of war and were ready to go up into the hill, verse 42, the Lord said unto me, say unto them, he told the preacher, tell them, don't go up or don't fight. I am not among them. Least you be smitten before your enemies. God's trying to, no, it's, it's, it's past that time. Y'all, y'all don't, Testing my patience. You need to go back. No, God, we're sorry. We'll go. We're sorry. We'll go. They start getting their swords ready. Oh, we better hurry up and go fight. The man of God says, we cannot do this. So I spake unto you, and you would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord and went presumptuously up into the hill. Verse 44. And the Amorites, which dwelt in that mountain, came out against you and chased you as bees do and destroyed you in Seir, even to Hormah. Verse 45. And you returned and wept before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice nor give ear unto you. Remember the two different words for heart, right? There's the emotional part, and then there's the inner part. I, I, I love people because this is so us, Okay. All of a sudden, God says, "Uh uh-uh, you need to go back to the wilderness. Hold on a second, God. Now, just hold on a minute. I remember what that was like. It was hot. It was lonely. It was dry. There wasn't good food. We'll go up and fight. I I believe you now. I I believe. What you have there is what you typically see in somebody that, quote unquote, repents. Repentance isn't just, uh, uh, just one little step reserved for salvation that we never revisit. Repentance is something we do every single day, right? So, but, but, but here, here, here's the difference. The people tried to repent out of the outer heart because their emotions were moved. And their feelings were moving, their intellect were moving, and they didn't want to go back to the wilderness. But God knew that deep down inside, that fear was still there. They had a change in emotion and feeling and intellect, but they really didn't have a change of heart. Let me go back to saying that is why so many people can come to church and they are moved in their emotion and their feeling and their intellect, and they leave here with the same struggles and depressions and sicknesses, and all of that stuff. Why? Because we get moved on in the outer man, but rarely allow God access to the inner man. A fearful heart. We all struggle with fear. It it, it comes in through every single day, or throughout the week, or through our finances, our budget, or our physical condition. We all struggle with fear. Our spiritual, we all struggle with fear. 
And it comes in through the emotion, the feeling, and the intellect. But I'm trying to tell you that the end result of that is always the very center of who you are because fear aims to destroy. That's why, that's why Paul said, God hasn't given us, speaking to the church, a spirit of fear. That, that, that's not from God. It, it only comes from one place. It's not from God for us to deal with fear or to struggle with fear. Now, situations come up and catch us off guard. But what will we choose to have faith in, the enemy or God? That's what really, really makes the difference. See, the, the Israelites, they, they thought they were having a repentance experience, a repentant experience. But let's just quickly talk about the heart real quick from another aspect because when we think we can gauge our own heart, eh, eh, because Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. No man can know it. Who can know it? Who can know it? See, I can't know it. I might think I'm doing okay, because what I, I, you know, Brother Kylie, I, I had a revival and some people got healed and a couple of people got the Holy Ghost. So, you know what? It's easy for Brother Ball to think, hey, God must, he, I must be doing okay. And why? Because all I am is a vessel. And God has always chosen to use vessels. And so we cannot judge our own spiritual condition out of what's going on, our circumstances. That's something. Who can know it? Who could, Jeremiah says, the heart's wicked. No, who can know it? There is one that can know it. Only one, and that's God. You, you don't, don't get caught up in thinking like, everything's going good. I feel like I'm doing good. I feel like I'm on track. Because guess what? The heart is deceitful. But when you give it to God, when you have faith in God and you say, you know what, God, I am not qualified to look at this old nasty heart, but you are qualified. And when you give it to him, God says, I can go in there and I can pull out what doesn't belong if you allow me access. See, so many times we don't want to allow him access. But David, in one of the most dark times in his life, prayed this from our text, Psalm chapter 139. David knew he had been through it. He had been through the ringer. He thought he was okay, but he wasn't okay. But in Psalm chapter 139, verse 23 and 24, he concluded that prayer and he said, search me, God, and know my heart. I can't know it. I've tried to know it before and I messed up. But if you search it, know my heart, know my thoughts, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It is not God's will for us to struggle with fear. Now, matter of fact, that's my fourth point. I told you we're gonna end on a good note, didn't I? Fear aggravates God. Fear will numb you of past miracles, keep you from future blessing. Fear will eventually lead you to a place of rebellion. But guess what number four is? Fear, a fearful heart, is not the will of God for your life. That's worth clapping for. 
It's not God's will for our lives. It was never designed that way. God has always made a way of escape and victory for us. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. Deuteronomy 4 and 20, and this is after Israel had sinned, after Israel had lived in a life of rebellion and, and missed out on their promises. God says this, but if from now thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, you will find him, Israel, if you seek him with all of your heart. Now, you may have already thought about it, but that word heart is not lev, it's not the emotion, feeling, the intellect. That word heart is levav. If you seek the Lord with the very center, the very core, that deep place, you will find God. Some point, we have to get past seeking God from our emotion and our feeling and our intellect and have to get to a place where we seek him, listen to me, with our failures and our fears and our insecurities. We gotta stop pretending we don't have those things. Jesus talked about it. He said, the time has come. I'm looking for true worshipers. That'll do what, God? That'll worship me in spirit and in truth. The spirit part we got. The truth part, what Jesus was talking about is coming to God honestly and openly, exposing your fears, your failures, your struggles to him. And when you seek him with that kind of heart, God says, I can deal with that. And God will begin with his access, begin to pull things out and purify, as the Bible says, as God purifies, as gold is purified and all those impurities rise to the surface as it's melted down. And then that metal smith will scoop those off and you're left with pure gold. That's what God desires to do with every single one of our hearts. Hallelujah. Why don't you just lift your hands and worship the Lord for just a, a few moments. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. See, the Bible, the Bible says, it never says we don't encounter fearful situations. It's just that when we go through those fearful situations, we know the God that can calm the storm. I'm doing a little research here for this. I got to do a conference here later this weekend, but I was doing a little research on storms and I was looking at the story when all the disciples are on the ship and the, and the storm's rocking and rolling and the Bible says Jesus comes and he speaks to the water. It says, peace be still, right? And the Bible says the water's calmed down. It turns over, what are y'all afraid of? You know what the disciples said? They said, even the waters obey him. Who is this guy? They didn't even know at that point who they really had with them in the boat. You ought to know who you really have with you in your boat. It doesn't matter how raging the storms get. And here's another little nugget for you to put away. In Psalms, the Bible says that the clouds, I read this earlier this week, it just blew me away. The clouds is the dust from God's footprints. That's what Solomon said. The 
clouds are the dust from God's footprint. Think about that. So when you're in the midst of a situation and it looks dark and it looks just, and you're looking around, you're seeing all the clouds. Now God might calm the waters down. He might calm the wind down a little bit, but don't be afraid of the clouds because that's just a reminder that God is ever present no matter where you go. Just stand to your feet and lift your hands and worship the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we love you today. God, we worship you today. Lord, we all encounter fear. There is no doubt that some of us here are dealing with a fearful situation. Some of us here may have allowed fear into our emotion, our feeling, our intellect. It is also possible and probable that many of us have fear deep inside our hearts. We have things inside our hearts that we don't want to reveal to anybody. But Lord, tonight your will is for us to unpeel the layers before you of the heart as David did and ask sincerely that you would search us tonight. God, that you would try our thoughts, that you would remove any wicked thing including fear or doubt or pride. We all have things in our hearts. But God, whether we choose to reveal them to, not, to you or not is, is our decision. I, I may have shared this with you. God has just done an incredible miracle about a little while ago. There was a, um, was a girl that had a paralysis in her hands and her hand was crippled up like this. And Teenage girl, they found out why it was and it was from a disease. Her other hand was normal. And um, I showed up at the church and the, and the guy said... He, a man came up to me and he said, I, I believe that if, if she would lift her hands, then God would heal her. You see, because she would never lift both hands. She would only lift the one that was normal. And this one she just kept away. Matter of fact, there was, I was there a year before and I went to shake her hand. I wasn't paying attention and she just kind of pulled away and said, I don't, I don't shake hands. So I was there a year later and a guy told me this and a man in the church and I said, well, I'll believe that. And I preached the message. Everything went as normal. We had a great altar call. God was moving and I was working the altars and I'm praying with people. And I look over across the aisle and I see this girl in the altar. and She's got her hands lifted, but it's only because her father is standing on the other side of her. He's got his hands on her hands. Lifted up like this. It was an incredibly emotional time. Her hand was open, but only because his hand was holding it open. And as soon as he'd let go, it would come back like that. So he's praying like that, and I thought that was so neat. And so I'm praying, I'm working my way over, and I got close, closer. And then what I see next absolutely blew my mind. The father had so much faith that while praying with his daughter, he, he just slipped his hands away and left her hands up there like this. Of course, her hand, her hand didn't go back in. Her hand stayed out like this. And, but the, 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 the funny thing is, is she didn't realize God had healed her because her eyes were still closed. She's still praying. Until finally somebody tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, did you see your hand? And she looked up at her hand and I, I was close enough by. I could see the tears well up in her eyes and just begin to fall. And she realized that God had just healed her of that paralysis that she had for over two years. Now, the neat part of that miracle one of the neat parts of that miracle 
that she had prayed for so many years, so many times for God to heal that hand. God never did until that night. But what you got to understand about it is that night she had family that was backslidden that were there that night. And they were standing in the altar with her while she was praying and they became eyewitnesses to that miracle. And it turned their life around and they began to live fervently for God. I mean, they're on fire for God now. Why? Because they had seen the power of God. Don't, don't ever question. Don't ever question God's presence as in being there in your life. Don't ever question when God doesn't do a miracle. You got unanswered prayers. We all have unanswered prayers. We've sown seed. We've sown seed, but we haven't seen any evidence of it. But could it be that God knows the right time, when to do something and when not to do something? God just knows completely best. The second part of that miracle that was so neat to me and that I think goes right along with this, and I'm ending with this, but the girl had to get to the point to expose that, and I'm not trying to be coarse, but expose what she considered that ugliness to God. She had to get to the point where she said, you know what, this thing that I think is ugly and I think is wrong and that I consider to be my disability, when she finally got to the point of exposing it to Jesus and saying, you know what, here it is. That's when God did a miracle in her life. Not when she would hide it and lift this hand. I think God wants all of us, not half, not three quarters. So I'm asking you tonight, what, what, because we all have it, what, what, what's inside of our, your hearts tonight? And I want to challenge you that when I open up the altars and we all come, because we're all going to come, because we're not just going to be hearers, we're going to be doers and responders to the word. I want to challenge you tonight to give it all to, give it all to God. Don't be afraid to expose what you consider to be a disability, what you consider to be a struggle, what you consider to be ugly. Expose that to God because he said in Deuteronomy 4, if, if you will seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. I want you, before we open up the altar, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me tonight? It ain't got to be out loud, but just ask him, Lord, what are you saying to me tonight? And ask the Holy Ghost to talk to you for a moment. Jesus, Jesus, a fearful heart. What's in our heart, Jesus? God, give us tonight the spirit of David. Have the boldness. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.